Hello, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields, um, Senior Vice President and Chief Medical Officer for Population Health here at Sinai. Today, I have a friend and colleague, Maria Basalapani, here with me, who um, leads our care management team. Thanks for joining us, Maria. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, so I'm relatively new to Sinai. Maria was one of the first friendly faces that kind of introduced herself and told me a little bit about the history of uh, Sinai and Mount Sinai Health Partners. And I-, I was wondering if we could start, Maria, with telling everybody a little bit about how you got to do pop health and, and this work. Sure. Uh, so I'm a social worker by training and uh, didn't immediately enter the field, um, but found myself uh, after 9-11 actually working with um, families, uh, widows and widowers of people who had died. Wow. Um, so it was sort of plunging right into very deep depths. Uh, and then shortly after that moved to the West Coast um, and worked with some severely emotionally disturbed kids in group homes, learned a mm. lot there about complexity. Uh, and then found myself at Kaiser Permanente for three years uh, wow. in primary care, in their primary care offices, um, working in that. yeah, working in their transitional care program. At right. the, they they see it all as a pyramid, as I know many do, uh, including us. And uh, I was part of the program that served the group at the at the top that had the most mm-hmm. utilization, were most complex. Um, so that was a really great beginning. Uh, and then moved back to the East Coast and found myself here at Sinai running a really small program uh, for family caregivers of older adults. Learned a lot about what doesn't work when you right. send folks for information and referral and how you have to really, there's complexity everywhere and how do, right. you, how do you dig in. Um, and then that the funding for that program ended and that was exactly the time when Mount Sinai Hospital was interested in launching a Uh, an initiative to try to reduce readmissions among the highest risk patients that we had, which at the time we just defined very simply as patients who had come back most frequently. So the frequent flyers, what do we do about them? Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I did that work uh, and helped to develop a model because there were very few out there at the time and most of them were focused on a cohort of patients that weren't as high risk as the ones that we were trying to serve. Right. Right. Uh, and so we developed our own model and eventually got CMS funding and had that for four and a half years. And that and in that time, uh, MSHP was born and right. that initiative was subsumed underneath MSHP. So you, you've been here really since the beginning of MSHP, I yeah, guess. Yeah, 11 years. This is my right. 11th year. Yep. Yeah. Um, if you think about the uh, maybe a, a couple of lessons learned on that that you want to carry into the model that we'll talk about here today? What, yeah. Can you think of overarching principles? Sure. Um, I think the first one for me is always that the highest risk patients can be reached. So mm-hmm. as I was um, you know, involved in developing that model early on and presenting on it, a lot of people would come to me and say, but is this really the group that we can target or should we just go one level below? Um, and I always maintain that no, there is a cohort. It may not be all of them, but mm-hmm. um, you know there are problems that can be solved. It's the challenge is understanding what they are, and that mm-hmm. takes time um, and skill to draw it out sometimes. Uh, so I think that's definitely one. The second is that engagement is so critical. Um, again, as part of bringing that story out, um, you know, people have oftentimes been traumatized. They've had bad experiences. They just sort of pack it all in and keep moving. And mm-hmm. so. It, you know, it, that, that engagement, that um, emphasis on really understanding their perspective is so critical, I think. Um, obviously, the, the collaboration, we can't do it alone. No one discipline can do it alone. So right. really being able to, you know, have partners internally, but also externally. We worked a lot with the community 
um, in a grassroots way, really, what are the needs of the patients and then right. what's out there to help us meet those needs. So partnering with like nonprofits yeah. and things like yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think those three are the ones that come to mind as yeah. being really critical. Yeah, those are really important. And we're going to talk a little bit today about the the model that we're we're building here within MSHP on the ambulatory side. But I, I think one of the first challenges is when you ask someone what is care management, you get about 150 different answers mm-hmm. uh, depending on their own perspective and sometimes their own needs. One of the things that often comes to mind is when people think about hospital-based care management because that's mm-hmm. I think a lot of care management in healthcare is was born out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, can you help describe what distinguishes, because a lot of your career sounds like it's been on the ambulatory side, what mm-hmm. what would you say is the distinguishing characteristic yeah. between those? So when I think of, um, I guess I think about case management versus care management. Mm-hmm. And when I think about case management, I think of utilization management mm-hmm. as a hospital-based role, um, really helping to determine how many days are approved, mm-hmm. uh, what should the post-acute um, plan B and you know what what fits in with insurance and the patient's needs. I also think about um, thinking about the community. I think about very task driven work. You know, I'm here to provide Meals on Wheels to sign you up for that. I'm mm-hmm. here to make sure that you have this transportation in place. Um, so all of that I sort of think about as case management, um, and that's very different, obviously. But mm-hmm. those are sort of the two ways that that uh, I think about them. But care management, at least the the, the brand, if you will, that I'm trying to build yeah, and I know yeah, is yeah. out there. Um, is really about going beneath that surface. So, you know, I think about problems that present in an ambulatory setting as being um, surface level. You know, the patient isn't taking their medications. They're not following up with the recommendations of the doc. Um, you know, they're not, they're, they don't understand their illness well enough. I think about the Coleman model. They don't understand their illness well enough to recognize and respond to symptoms. They don't keep their paperwork, whatever it is. Um, and I try to not and I've tried not to train the staff this way, but we want to solve those problems. But in order to solve them in a lasting way, we have to go deep. We have to understand what's driving it. So the brand of care management I'm trying to build is one that, for example, with the problem of patients not taking their meds is is to understand why. Is it because you don't trust the provider that mm-hmm. prescribed them? Is it because you don't like the side effects? Uh, is it because you can't afford them? They're all very different problems with very different work that needs to happen. And so I see that as the care management that we're going for, where we really understand the patient's perspective and story. And we are savvy enough to uh, you know, define risk really broadly so that we can really understand, hopefully after a very comprehensive assessment, where is the risk that that is hidden and maybe not yeah. called out in the in the record? Um, maybe no one's ever been able to pull it out before. We've certainly had uh, situations like that. And then let's go to work on those items. Yeah. So it's any we used to say anything and everything to the staff because it really can be in terms of what compounds risk for readmission. It's life, the complexity of life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have several different disciplines within the mm-hmm. team um, for lots of different reasons. We have a a disproportionate number of social <laughs> right. workers versus nurses. and um, But tell me how the team works together because there are different skill sets between social work mm-hmm. and nursing. And then we also have some care coordinators, like sure. some more like not licensed folks, but add a ton of value to the team. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit how that model works? Yeah, I think um, in full transparency, I think it's something we're working on. Yeah. I think you're always working on it, yeah. right? It's never right. done. But um, certainly... Uh, you know, having the different disciplines is huge. Patients have different needs, just mm-hmm. like one person can't solve it and needs the community and the provider. Um, you know, we need the nurses, we need the pharmacists, we need the care coordinators. Um, what we're trying to establish now are really escalation, de-escalation 
pathways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, we have the standards in place, but what I'd like to see is that we get to a place where the social workers really understand what nurses are uniquely qualified to do in such a way mm-hmm. that when they hear it or see it, they know, even if it's not on the list that yeah, we've given right. them, you know, and right. same for the nurses that they understand what social workers can do. I think that in many ways, what we're what we're uh, endeavoring to, to make happen here is is not been the experience historically. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I know that social workers often have a preconceived notion of what a nurse can do or a mm-hmm. pharmacist can do. And in fact, pharmacy, I think, is a is a brave new world mm-hmm. um, because we haven't had that resource yeah, at all. No. So I think that will be right. um, huge. Um, you know, but I think there is some work to do around breaking down the stereotypes of, of, of what's possible right. and then really knitting people together. So yeah. In your work with uh, was it primary care providers in yes. Kaiser Permanente? Mm-hmm. Well, everything's in one building. <laughs> That's oh, okay. the great so part. So it's everybody, everybody. right? Yeah. Right. Uh, it's a different model yes, out there for sure. Yes. Um, but if you think about ambulatory care management mm-hmm. again, it's, which is sure. in the in the history of care management, sort of a newer model mm-hmm. in some ways. Um, what what's the gap? Like, what's happening currently that you see in the ambulatory model? Where I, let's make a couple assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Where we exist as an entity, as an, as not just an ACO, but as a network, a clinically integrated network, in response to an outcome in U.S. healthcare that isn't what we want, mm-hmm. right? Um, high cost, by most counts, low value care. Mm-hmm. And so we're responding to something and we think that care management is a piece of that puzzle, mm-hmm. right? To fill in some sort of void or, and, or, some, or as part of some redesign that's gonna help us get better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, from your perspective and your experience, what is it? You know, what is the piece of the puzzle on the ambulatory? Side? Like what's missing, and what? How can care management help fill that void? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that it, it's it's a there's a complicated answer there. I guess yeah, what I would yeah. what I would start with is just that um, there's still what I see are still a lot of assumptions about. That what the problem to solve is mm-hmm. um, like sometimes I've I've hear it talked about and this is for years um, but also recently it's 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 something that we're continuing to to see is you know if if we can just get the the patient an appointment if we just if we just schedule these people can we just schedule these people and and then that'll be the fix yeah um, you know uh, or you know if they'll just get the test that'll be what it is but it's it's really complicated um, and yeah. so I think that's where I get back to needing somebody to understand where that patient's coming from and what the barriers are to making those things happen. Um, so, you know, again, I, th- I, I would like to see that that's where care management kind of interjects, that um, we're, we know the patients well, that they're willing to call us, that we're aware of what's keeping them from doing the things that, you know, where does this fall in your priority list? You right. know, um, because when we talk to patients, they'll say, yeah, I got the appointment, but really I feel fine or whatever it is. Right. So I think I think thinking that it's that simple. Um, and that, of course, extends. There's always another appointment, in exactly. other words, right? You fix this one, there's always another right, one. There's a, there's right, a, exactly. Right. And people have misconceptions, too, about the hospital stay. I, I can recall patients that we've, you know, served years ago um, that had heart failure and, you know, their legs would swell and their whole body, you know, they'd need to take all this water off and they said but I just go to the hospital and that gets fixed you know so <laughs> not realizing and there's one day a cardiologist said to me it's probably you're probably losing about five years of their life every time that happens but you know that wasn't really their awareness so right. I, I think it's the same with medications if they just take the medications um, you know but but not really understanding as I said before what are what are the reasons that you don't so mm-hmm. um, I see that as m- it just a missing resource in mm-hmm. primary care and and also that you know 
both the hospital stay and, and the visit is such a slice of life. That's it. You know, mm-hmm. it's five minutes. It's it's a day. Yeah, it's three right. days. Whatever it is. And this, what we really need to be asking is, how is this person integrating what's happened there? How did did they hear it? How right. are they making sense of it and committing to it? Right. Um, and and asking questions. And is there somebody to ask questions to? Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I see those are being some of the problems that hopefully we can start to solve. Absolutely. And and it's hard. I mean, I, as well as intentioned as the physicians and advanced practitioners are on the front lines, it's just impossible to do it in the time sure, that's allotted, right? So the, the motivation and the effort is there. And I've, in fact, I think it sort of contributes to part of the burnout problem is that there's an awareness, but a yes. lack of ability to affect it in, that's some, right. in, in some way. Um, so it leads to kind of dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and you kind of spinning the wheel a little bit. Um, so in response to that, as you said, we're trying to add some support. Mm-hmm. How, you know, again, in a busy practice, so the same problem, uh, in a busy practice, how would that practically happen? Mm-hmm. Like, can you think about some concrete ways in which you see the team integrating? Yeah, I mean, I think that... Uh, knowing there are different models out there, and we might do a little bit of everything. But yeah, I think that um, one thing that will help us tremendously are the analytics. I mean, mm-hmm. that's the analytics are what are the most exciting thing to me about this moment, mm-hmm. because... If we are use if those analytics are robust enough and we're using them, you know, we're squeezing everything we can out of them, and then hopefully what's happening is care management is getting to the patients mm-hmm. that would have caused that dissatisfaction for the provider, or at right. least maybe they're dissatisfied, but there's a partner involved yep, with that patient. So I think it's um, you know, there's different ways to to go about it. And certainly if you know, if we had the resources and ability to embed a care manager in every single one of our practices, that would probably be ideal. What I would mm-hmm. add though, even in that perfect world scenario, is that if we had all that money, we would need to do two because we would need somebody who could leave the office and go home with that patient, do the home visit, help them figure out the pharmacy piece mm-hmm. you know, together. So even that wouldn't be ideal, just one. I mm-hmm. think it would probably need to be multiple. But in the absence of that, because we know we can't, I think it is about using those analytics and making whatever patient population we're serving and whatever work we're doing really known to those providers. So mm-hmm. it, it becomes, hopefully it'll be a shift in their own experience of their day to day. I know you talk about the huddles a lot mm-hmm. and what should that, you know, the, what's the primary focus of that huddle? It's to think about the day mm-hmm. and who's coming in, who should be coming in mm-hmm. and what are the needs? What do I need to know? What what don't I know from what I'm seeing here? Right. And then this is what I'm doing about it. You know, this is what my extenders are doing about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, make, it makes a ton of sense. Do you, um, in, in, in many ways, when we talk about population health in 2018 as opposed to the 90s or mm-hmm. late 80s and 90s when in a often capitated pure HMO world, mm-hmm. it was a slash and burn sort of approach uh, on cost, but without the analytics. Mm-hmm. And, and we say now, uh, what we believe is that the analytics will allow us to do that better. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. While that was effective in, in at least you know turning down the trend on the cost, it was a major dissatisfier for everyone involved. Right. And what we hope is that we can resource differently based on those mm-hmm. analytics. What um, a lot of folks that do pop health work have seen the risk pyramid probably up to a million times. They have it you know, burned into their <laughs> consciousness. But what, um, there are all sorts of flavors of analytics too. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is most helpful? Like if, if you had a magic wand and you would say, this is, analytics would tell me this mm-hmm. kind of a story mm-hmm. before I even talk to mm-hmm. patients. What would that story be? Well, that's part of why I'm excited because the company we're partnering with 
it seems to be delivering what I could only dream of, mm-hmm. which is, and you know, they're doing it by buying a lot of different data. But mm-hmm. what I would want to know is, is this person's life complex or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, when they're not the patient? Mm-hmm. And of course it depends too, have they always been the patient? And so they've integrated their illness and, you know, and maybe they're tired of their illness. Again, there's many spokes mm-hmm. to that. Um, but, but what else, you know, where are the red flags? Are there red flags that life is complicated? Because mm-hmm. I firmly believe that if life is complicated, then healthcare just gets pushed down the list. I mean, I really believe that it's like hier- Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right, right. And unfortunately, people, if you have, if you're, if you can't breathe because your body is swelling, well, then now it's a basic need. And yeah. so now I need to do something about it. I call 911. Right. But if it's not that, if there's no urgent fire, then it becomes part of self-actualization. Yeah, and we right. ca- and and you know, I I think the work I did early on with the family caregivers really taught me how complex caregiving can make mm-hmm. a situation, um, how many caregivers there are, not just for older adults but adult children, and how many of those patients, I mean, many of those caregivers are working. So you know, th- that's just one <laughs> one group that's probably very large amongst the group that we're. Um, you know, targeting, especially in the MA and MSSP population. Um, but again, life is so complicated. So any analytic that can help us understand this as a person with complexity mm-hmm. um, will be helpful. I guess uh, in the early uh, results of the the risk, risk modeling we've seen, it seems like there's a lot of those patients. So right. we're going to need additional cuts. And, um, you know, I, one of my colleagues mentioned one the other day that really resonated for me, which was, you know, let's look at who hasn't come in and who hasn't gone anywhere else. So if they've gone somewhere else, they've already had the affair, they're moving mm-hmm. on. But if, if they haven't, then that's an opportunity. And so how do we how do we pull them in? And that, that really resonated because I, I think that's what it is. To me, that's true rising risk work where yeah. we're, we're looking for the group that, you know, just, just based on simple logic, if, if they're sick and there's complexity and they haven't been in, they need an intervention right. um, to try to pull them in. And that intervention may look different than anything anyone has ever um, equated with care management, but yep. not in my mind. I think yeah, yeah. that's that's the that's the role that's, that we... It's the we, root of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. What you're alluding to is is social determinants, you mm-hmm. know, and, and well, not just that, but a, a lot of it is social sure. determinants, right? It's um, the hierarchy of needs in terms of food, do I have food, mm-hmm. water, you know, air to breathe, right. that sort of thing, and then housing. Right. And then, you know, probably taking my metformin is pretty low. Right. It's, right. it's a right. different universe. Especially if you're homeless or something. Especially if you're homeless, right. 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 It's a different stratosphere of yes. needs. Um, so I'm curious about your vision for the, and, and you alluded to it earlier, the role of community-based organizations, mm-hmm. of CBOs, to impact that mm-hmm. and to partner with us in a way that... Um, you know, I certainly have an opinion on this that, that you know about, but um, I'm curious about your thoughts on how we get to true partnership mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. CBOs and what are what have been some barriers to that mm-hmm. in the past, mm-hmm. if any. Yeah, so I think two things that really slow us down and impede our efficiency, um, you know, duplication of services, obviously, mm-hmm. and reinventing the wheel. Yeah. I mean, why do, we don't need to spend our time on yeah. either of those. And so when I think about the community and the experiences that I've had, um, I think about trying, you know, as I said, very simple, trying to find who who does that and who does it well. <clears throat> Just start there. Yeah. And then engaging them. Um, you know, community-based agencies, at least in this city, live hand to mouth. <laughs> so if a big big boy like uh, Mount Sinai comes yeah. along and says, we'd like to partner with you, that's huge for them. Yeah. And they're incented to help and to, you know, make that yeah, go well. Um, so that's that's the core of the experience I've had. Um, 
you know, at one point as part of the CMS funding we had, we started the, uh, I called it the CAN, it was the, commu- the CAN, Community Action Network. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it never took off. It's something I'd love to see revived, not in a way that just allows us to push paper and have another yeah, meeting, right. but meaningfully <laughs> where people come. And, you know, the goal of that was to say, it was to sort of, and maybe, again, maybe analytics and technology will help us get there without the meeting, but the goal was to be able to say, look, this is a cohort of patients that I would really love to send your way, you know, or we have sent them your way and they're stuck, you know, Mm -hmm. there's not been this connection. Would you mind, senior level person who we've invited to the meeting to help us get this through? Right. Um, So I think it's about engaging, you know, the barriers, I think, about engaging the right people. You need to get the right people in the room always. Um, And I think beyond that, though, and I think a lot of this work, I mean, I'm excited because I think a lot of this work may have been done via DISRIP, um, is knowing who's good at what, you know, really Mm -hmm. understanding a deeper level analysis of who does really well with the particular things that we see. Um, I mean, mental health being one of them, who are the really strong mental health. I mean, we we used to say, um, again, with the CMS funding we had, we were focused on fee-for-service patients, and a third of those patients we felt had a behavioral health need that was not documented anywhere. Um, so, you know, the need is tremendous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's challenges with the psychiatric services we have, the ambulatory psychiatric right. services, getting people in. If they if they had an appointment once and didn't show, there's less willingness. Yeah. So there's a lot of advocacy needed. So the mental health piece is huge. Um, but also, as you said, the basic needs are there, too. So I think it's there for us. Um, I mean, I was on the front lines for Disrup. I saw yeah. we had 170 plus partners. Yeah. Um, we had in the early days many, many meetings yeah. where there were representatives everywhere. I, I think that that could be revived. Um, yeah. And, and you know maybe in a smaller, more manageable bite. But to look, even if we just started with the first five things that we feel our patients need the most, and try or three things, mm-hmm. and try to engage community providers to do those things. Mm-hmm. I think where. Um, you know, where there's less, I guess, um, you know, outcomes data so far is can those organizations become the care managers? You know, can the staffing, can the staff that they have become the care managers? Yeah. You know, and that's always been the question. Can we yeah. do this cheaper? Can we do it? You know, so that I think the jury's out, at least for me it is. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't think we're there yet. And I do think that when we talk about finding the story um, and being attuned enough to understand where the risk is and what the prioritization is and how to bring the patient along for what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It really does take a professional skill set. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not to say that there aren't really valuable, you know, tasks and services that can be, can be provided, done yeah. that would leverage our time Absolutely. so that there's that professional is able to keep doing what they're uniquely qualified to do, be it a right. pharmacist, nurse, or social worker, right. and leave the rest to the experts right. in the community. Yeah. I mean, to me, the corollary is like primary care and a subspecialist, right? They, you know, um, if you're a housing specialist at a CBO that works on housing, right. uh, it, you know, sort of the ask of saying, well, you take on all the care management doesn't seem right. reasonable. Right, right. right? And yet I think, I'm sorry. No, no, no. no go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to say, and I think that... Um, that that happens a lot. I mean, yeah. they they oh, yeah, do they is. pitch yeah. that because right. they are living hand to mouth. So it's like, oh, this could be a great new stream of revenue. Let's try right. this. And it's not to say that there won't be um, you know organizations that will do it well. But um, in the in the CMS demonstration project I was a part of, there were 102 CBOs around the country. Um, we were one of well, the total was 102. We were one of like four hospitals mm-hmm. that received the funding, and mm-hmm. so. Uh, I, I became the chair of the national faculty. I got a really good view of what yeah. was going on at the CBO level. Yeah. And 
it was um, all very necessary but insufficient yeah. to meet the needs. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Maria, I think I appreciate your passion for work. I'm glad you're on our team. We're <laughs> glad to be here. We're going to hopefully we're going to be doing good things. So yes, I appreciate your time today. Sure. Thanks. If you have other ideas for a future podcast, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Thanks for listening.